Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. So, May in the Garden. How are we doing then, Chris? It's been a bit windy and a bit cold and... It's been very mixed, hasn't it? Is that, is yeah. that the term the, 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 the weather forecasters say? No, we've had some chilly nights, and uh, when the sun has sh- shone, it's been lovely, hasn't it? There's been a few few yeah. afternoons that mm. I thought, oh, I'd like to get the barbecue out, but not quite no. yet. Yeah. Yeah. But May's looking a bit more promising. One would hope so, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And of course, a, a busy month, Peter, isn't it? Yeah. Really. yeah. yeah. I, I'm pleased to say I've got my sweet corn planted, Good. I did it with my daughter the other week, and mm. we planted 18 cells. Right. Oh, we've had 18 come up. Brilliant. First that's... time ever I've had 100% success with well, my germination. I was blown that, away. That's very good to hear. Wow, well, yeah. yes. It's yeah. good. Oh. Next to courgettes and mm. runner beans and all the other mm. things I've got yes. to get planted. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're getting there. But good. anyway, what's going on in the shows and mm, it's well it is it's the it's the start of the big shows isn't it but uh, first of all uh, peter between the, the the second and the eighth of may it's national gardening week okay so this is an initiative run by the rhs uh, royal horticulture society basically to raise awareness in gardening and horticulture so lots of things are happening out and about you'll notice quite a lot of things on their website but obviously uh, in garden centers will have obviously things occurring and there'll be obviously um, lots of plants to to enjoy and obviously it's the time of the year when we're we're most thinking about doing container gardening and uh, and growing vegetables that's it mm. cool. and then Bit of a big weekend for Charles and Co. This uh, Indeed. first was it first, second weekend in May, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Saturday the sixth of May, isn't it? So it, King mm. Charles's coronation. It That'd is a, a big event, isn't it? It is a big. It's a it's a landmark event. I think the last one was over, well, was over seventy years ago, wasn't it? So um, yes. So yeah, patriotic planting. That's going to be the key, isn't it? We're already getting interested. Would you believe? Literally the other day, Peter had a uh, school came in they wanted a, a tree to plant for the event for right. the, for the friday and they also wanted red white and blue uh, bedding which we had in stock we had some lovely yeah. red antirhinum snapdragons some blue lobelia and some white lobelia so excellent and i suppose you could do that with pansies quite easily mm. as well couldn't you but the red what was another red bedding plant we could use well something like salvia um yeah that's big, a, that's a bit more yeah grows yeah. upwards as well doesn't it so yeah. it's slightly less sideways isn't it cool. yeah nice so one. there's plenty to go up there so uh, lots to think about there and then on the the 7th of may uh, again specialist plant fairs all around the country but there's one at uh, board hill over in haywards heath yep. again it's one of the for, for more of the rare plants as well so look out for that and uh, a lovely garden to enjoy as well um then we're into the big shows uh the 11th to the 14th which is of course the malvern rhs malvern spring festival um over on the malvern hills beautiful show i went there last year peter it was really good i really enjoyed my day quite an expensive day but it's it's what it is isn't it it's just good to to get out and see some wonderful um show gardens and lots of really good uh, plant exhibitors in the big marquee there hmm and one that caught my eye, mm. World Topiary Day, yeah. 14th of May. Mm. Now, Rockingham Castle, mm. that's got some amazing yew 
I mean, I don't know, utopia, I suppose it's called. Okay. They're, they're a cross between hedges and sculptures, I think, is right. the best way to describe Sounds them. Sounds great. Yeah, that's well worth a visit if you yeah. fancy mm. uh, uh, visiting somewhere. Yeah, and, and this, this World Topiary Day has actually come from, uh, I think, Levens Hall, which we've mentioned before, Peter, which is yep. obviously up in the, up in Cumbria. And yep. that's famous for its you and box. I think they've got the, the Guinness Book Records of the most topiary in a single garden. Oh, wow. So, okay, uh, cool. And I think they've put their sort of stamp on it. But, um, yeah, it's good. So, let's sell, you know, so if you've got a box or a, a utopery, it's the day to uh, celebrate and, give mm. it, and maybe start thinking about giving it a bit of feed, a bit of TLC after this awful winter we've, we've experienced. Cool. And then... Mm. End of the month, it's, it's the, the biggie. It is. They don't come much bigger, do they? The <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea Flower Show. Yes. So, That's obviously, good. famous at the, the Royal Hospital grounds. Um, yeah, 23rd to the 27th. Obviously, if you're an RHS member, you can get in the first couple of days. And I think tickets probably still are available. Um, but, yeah, you have to go on the website there. And it's, yeah, it is the showcase. It's the platform, the catwalk for horticulture, isn't it? It's the... Yeah, yeah. the controversial one that some mm. people seem to love and some people yeah. just think it's a yeah. flash in the pan and mm. the, the stuff is never going to work, work in the real world. But it, it, it's... Uh, a spectacle, no it less. And, yeah. and it gets a lot of coverage, obviously, the BBC, God bless them, give it absolutely maximum coverage. I think it gets about I think about 12, maybe 15 hours over that week because they do afternoon yep. programmes. So it's wall-to-wall just uh, to enjoy. So even if you can't get there, you'll get probably better views <laughs> of, the, of the gardens. I think that's it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Sometimes you can get actually better mm. ideas and inspiration off mm. the television than having to squeeze down the... Aisles and oh, uh, yeah. through the thousands of people to have a little peek at the uh, the, the gardens. That's right, most definitely. And of course, um, as we're, we're we're broadcasting and recording our podcast in, uh, in a Malvern garden building, yeah, it's, that's true. It, yeah, it's great to hear that they're going to be back at Chelsea again. Oh, they! How many buildings have they got there this year? Well, it's we uh, yeah, it's five. They're doing okay. the, the, they're doing the um, basically the house plant studios, which have been a very popular part of Chelsea now for a, mm. a few years. And basically, these are all going to be themed, Peter, around certain aspects of a place to so a place to escape to, to rejuvenate, to entertain. Right. Um, and it's all going to be then married in with obviously wonderful house plants, and it's in they're in these wonderful breeze houses, which of course mm. we've we've recorded in over the over the years or so, um, and it's all you know part of the design to make them you know a really good useful space, which of course house plants will accommodate rather nicely. Well, certainly, I mean, just thinking the building we're in at the moment, mm. so light and airy. I mean, it's lovely. It I wish I could have one in my garden, mm, but indeed. equally, yeah, I guess if you wanted to grow house plants, mm. it's a perfect place. Right, yeah. Because it's, I guess, a garden building is probably a little bit cooler, which mm. some of the house plants actually prefer, don't they? And indeed, yes. I, I, I guess also the humidity outside is going to be that little bit more than in your house. So probably the perfect place, actually. Indeed. To and, and obviously, yes, obviously more light in some of the larger windows, too, which you might have a struggle with within a, within a house, too. So, mm. yeah, so a great way of showcasing, obviously, Malvern and obviously those wonderful house plants. So something to look forward to if you're going. And I'm sure that the TV cameras will probably have a sneak round, which they did, I think, last year. Yeah, that's good. And then... Right at the very end of the month mm. and into July, mm. we've got tree listening. 
This is fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. So, Exbury Gardens, obviously down in Hampshire, well known for obviously their wonderful rhododendrons and camellias, which obviously are looking great at this time of the year. They're going to be basically encouraging you to um, listen to the the sap flow of uh, or the moving water and air of the xylem vessels in trees. So, using very highly sensitive microphones, you're going to be able to listen to the movement of water in tree trunks. So xylem, from my understanding, mm. they're a bit like the veins. That's it. Yes. it yeah. So essentially that's where all the nutrients and the water and the, the, mm. yeah, yeah. the sap flows yeah. through the tree. So from, that, from, yeah. from, from the roots up to the, uh, to the branches. So um, Very sensitive microphone. Very sensitive, yeah. <laughs> I think I've, I have seen this uh, done on, on TV a couple of years ago and okay. uh, it looked really good. So yeah, it's, it's, it's over a long period of time, obviously into July. So uh, obviously the trees will be growing well. So they'll as they put on all that growth on, I suspect, that'll intensify the sounds too mm, that's a very interesting cool nice one well there's a few things for us to get on with and go and visit isn't there just a few and now on to the news what's mm. been in the news this week then right peter there's quite a lot actually um the first story which is quite interesting is we've been just been listening to, to sap flow of trees yep. um basically the uh the london's national history museum wants us to listen to nature okay yeah and it's basically basically recording nature through a hub. And it's really interesting. What they're suggesting you do is you, you pick a street or road, perhaps somewhere where you live, you record a little bit of audio, and they give you all these links on the, on the website for five minutes so you can hear human intervention and obviously sounds, uh, cars and things, and obviously nature sounds. And then they want you to take a 10-minute walk recording any insects you see on your travels. And okay. Send, and send all those details back to them. So they get a snapshot of effectively 15 minutes in the life of a particular road or street you might live on. I think it's quite an interesting project. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Well, I mean, certainly I know in my house there's loads of spiders, so I should right. imagine there must be a few outside as well. And Indeed, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, they seem to be doing very well at the moment. Mm. But, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, I guess mm. a bit like the Nature Watch thing, isn't it? Where it is. People yeah. get to record what's going on in around their area, and if we start paying attention to that might mm. lead us to becoming better environmentalists. So Indeed, yes. Stuff. And with, I suppose, the National uh, yeah, the History Museum, they're very um, keen to make sure that we, we do keep a, a track of everything in, the, in, our, in, our, in our lives, isn't it? So this is a snapshot mm. of uh, 2023. Um, then the next story, um, maybe some of our listeners won't be surprised, but, but these plant ident uh, apps you can put on your phone mm. are probably as good as we, we perhaps we hope they are um, this is research by the new scientists that they found that many of the smart home apps to identify plants and photographs aren't very good aren't very yeah. accurate well they're saying some of them was little as 4% accuracy yes well that's yeah. But then equally, mm. we get a lot of people coming in mm. who've taken a picture, and yes. we're always happy to try and identify them, aren't we? And we it's are, It's nice yeah. um, to, well, it gives us a challenge sometimes, because mm. you can, if you're taking a picture of a plant, that's great, but also, if you can, take a little sample of the leaf or the, the flower, branch, yeah. or yeah. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. bring us some physical stuff mm. in as well, because yes. that's a key to you know, quite often identifying mm. things. So, no, But yeah, I mean, mm. 4 to 80% accuracy. Yeah. Not quite there yet, but I'm sure well, they'll get better as time goes I'm on. I'm sure. And as you say, a lot of these, these apps are, are chargeable, so you have to subscribe. So you are paying good money for something which perhaps isn't quite as 
fit for purpose than, than, than it should be. Um, yep. I would say the, the other thing as well, Peter, we have obviously a lot of problems with, with a lot of plants being lost over the winter and a lot of people, as, as we've found, have, because the plants have so been so badly damaged, it's actually identifying what the plant is. Yep. Yeah, you know, so you, they're after yeah. replacements, are they? Indeed, like, mm. yeah. From well, to be fair, I mm. saw the fetinias that we've got that got frost damage. Mm. And yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a brown fetinia leaf. Yes. It looks like almost autumnal sort of colours on, mm. on it. And yeah, they're not looking good. But no. that's, like you say, sort of... This winter was very harsh, hard mm. for some plants, and oh, um, yeah, yeah, evergreens especially took a, a big hit. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so maybe um, yeah, have a, a, a second think about your your plant apps if you're thinking about downloading one. That's it. And a century garden up in Liverpool um, mm. for Ukraine. Yes, um, interesting. Yeah. They're tying it in with the Eurovision Song Contest, which I think Ukraine were due to be hosting, mm. but. Now it's going to Liverpool, which yep. is a nice thing, and building a garden as well. So yeah, no, that's that's good, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some quite um, sort of significant design elements to it. Okay, Peter Lloyd, the designers, included uh, ch- chessboard uh, tables because obviously that's a strong link between the UK and and obviously that part of the world of, of Ukraine of, of being chess players. Yep. And uh, obviously using bridge, there's a nice bridge there, which obviously is a nice symbol for bridging the gap of, of uh, harmony and unity. Mm. Um, so lots of nice symbolism there, and it's, it's good to see something being uh, being you know developed. And of course, the, the, the Ukrainian community have quite a big a big say in Liverpool, so it makes sense that something yeah. like this you know is, is worked at. Brilliant, so, mm. good stuff. So last month we were discussing an old viaduct that had mm. been upgraded into parklands um london's got an old railway that they're doing a similar idea to it yes yes they have they've got a new i guess it'd be a very thin park but 1.2 miles long Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) in an old railway line yeah that's over in camden yes that's north london isn't it camden's north london London. yeah going down into king towards king's cross Cross. so Mm. Very valuable land, I should imagine, um, yeah. as far as developers were concerned. But equally, it's nice that we're turning it into a walkway. Mm. And it, I mean, the picture of it looks lovely. lovely. And it's got a really good um, uh, Dutch planting designer, uh, Pete Odolf. He's well known uh, for his amazing sort of um, prairie style planting. He uses lots of grasses, lots of verbenas, you know, that sort of very okay. airy sort of displays, which are, yeah, are really yeah. nice. Um, and obviously using trees as well, so he's, he, that's uh, it's going to be one of his signature designs. And uh, the article in um, Garden News also says that he's going to be uh, recommissioned. Well, he's been recommissioned to revamp his own garden at Wisley as well. So he's going to be a busy chap. But yeah, one point two miles through. Uh, they're calling it the Camden High Line. Um, okay. And it's yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's going to cost a little bit of money though. Um, I've just seen the price. Yeah, fourteen million. Yes. So wish I had that to spend on my garden. <laughs> oh, it, it, I haven't got one point two miles of garden. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's all proportionate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, mm. and another relic that's being changed um, this time for the better. The yes, ed- the palm house at Royal Botanic mm. Gardens, Edinburgh. That's got a where are we five-year restoration program just about to start i mean yeah. that's a 
beautiful old building. It isn't is, it? isn't it? Just yes, so I mean, so picturesque, and, and yeah, probably crowded with lots of lots of history as well. A big restoration, um, five hundred square meters of crumbling sandstone, over six hundred square meters of ironwork to to mm. be uh, improved upon. Um, yeah, a big mammoth task, but uh, well, yeah, uh, again, yeah. huge, isn't it? I mean, mm. five thousand seven hundred panes of glass. <laughs> Scary numbers, isn't that, it? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Uh, but I guess, mm. I mean, to me, it looks sort of Victorian. Yes, the sort of wrought iron and sort of stone Very structure. So, so mm-hmm. isn't it? I, I guess, I wonder how many of those panes of glass are original. Mm. They're going to have a yeah big glazing bill at the end of it. But no, it's really nice to <laughs> restore something like that. that yes. Yeah, I mean, the size of it, you could probably grow full-size palm trees in it. I think that's what it it collects, uh, yeah, the living collection of plants, and it includes, obviously, palms and, obviously, a lot more exotica, too. So if it's anything like the the wonderful palm houses over in, obviously, Kew Gardens, um, yeah, they are just an amazing bit of uh, uh, workmanship, aren't they? Yeah, architecture and lovely good stuff. Mm. And I guess the other... Mm. Building in the news at the moment mm. um, is, is it one of King Charles's ancestors' country houses. That's uh, over in Yorkshire, isn't it? North Newby Hall. Mm. Lovely yes. looking building. Fantastic and famous for its uh, amazing uh, double borders. I mean, these borders, Peter, is probably as as, <laughs> as wide as my garden. Uh, mm. The best. Yeah, they they're humongous. Uh, really deep borders, but it's actually celebrating its seventy uh, fifth anniversary. So. Which, okay. which links in quite nicely with, obviously, the coronation, and hence they're going to have, apparently, replicas of the crown jewels, a throne to sit on, and a special garden party um, to delight the, the visitors there. So plenty going on at uh, Newby Hall uh, this summer. Awesome, yeah. Mm. And like you say, sort of 172-metre-long herbaceous border. <laughs> yeah. Um, great for selfies. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's certainly got some colour in there, mm. hasn't it? It's lovely. Fantastic. I mean, it's a proper, like you say, sort of, mm. you had a quarter of that as your garden, you'd think you'd done well. You did, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just shows you what you can do with space and, and, and depth of planting, isn't it? Yeah. It makes a lovely vista, though, doesn't Fantastic. it? Fantastic, so, yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll put details on on our show notes of all the all the the companies and people we mention on the on on Dig It today. And for all of you gardeners who like to buy peat-free plants, mm. Tesco's have pulled their finger out, and moved very quickly on this one, haven't they? I mean, yes, they're, they've announced that they're going to all their British-grown bedding plants will be in peat-free compost this mm. year. And that, yeah, well, and that amounts to like the forty million plants they are annually grown um, over in in Spalding for the stores. So that's a big old move, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, they say twelve hundred tons of CO two mm-hmm. are going to be saved, and yep. nine thousand cubic meters of compost. I guess mm. so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a significant amount yeah. of compost that they're going a hundred percent peat free yeah. with, which. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, yep. if the guys over in Bridge Farm have really nailed it and mm-hmm. got a decent quality growing media that you can grow the bedding in and it will hold water, because well, I think that's, that's always the trouble with, dare I say, supermarket bedding, is that sometimes it doesn't get cared for quite no, as well as yeah. other places mm. and yeah. it dries out. Yeah. And if and the it's now going to dry out in half the time... yeah going to be interesting it's going to be interesting them. yeah which slightly goes against in a way the government has, has sort of backtracked on 
the commercial peat ban, isn't it? There's lots yes, of, yes. Yeah, we finally got mm. some dates out of the government. After yes. It's the end of 2024 that us amateur gardeners mm. yes. will be able to buy peat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the commercial sector was due to be 2026. Um, and now they're questioning yeah. whether that's a good idea or not. So um, the NFU are saying they need more conversation and they need more mm. support. The Wildlife Trust are saying, ban it, ban it, ban, ban it. it. Yeah, so, yeah, and the trouble is there isn't the... the well, at the moment, of course, the research into using these composts for certain crops, you know, certain plant crops, is, shall we say, uh, fairly sparse. Mm. So to, you know, sort of push on these dates on in a way which is... In a way, sort of almost blackmailing the growers to to do something very very quick, you know, is a recipe for disaster, really, isn't it? Um, in many cases, yeah, I think. Uh, so let's hope that uh, some sense is seen. Uh, but I think it's moving quite quickly out there, Peter, isn't it? There's some lots of good positives of what uh, products are coming through. Well, um, you've had some good success recently, haven't you? Yes, and that, that sort of ties in with a, a, another news story, isn't it? It's good old um, Melcourts, which is a compost we have mentioned. Yeah, we um, stock it, and, mm. um, which have given it a best buy. Seal of approval, mm, which is good. yeah, which is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I've been using it, Peter, since the new year, uh, since January. I've been using it for seed sowing, potting up, and repotting. So far, so good. Well, um, mm. we talked earlier about my hundred percent success rate. Mm. Um, that was using the peat-free seed and cutting compost that we sell here, just right. a standard um, mm-hmm. Levington one. Levington, yep. Perfect. And yeah. 100% success rate. It does dry out quite quickly, though. It's I must done. say, sort of, mm-hmm. I've, I've got the propagator over the seedlings still. Yeah. And every now and again, I take the lid off for a few hours. And I'm always surprised how quickly it, it dries out. seems to go you know, get dry. But Yeah. It's all to do with the management, isn't it? And certainly, you know, chatting to customers, that's the thing. I said that the whole idea of using compost now is good. Our mindset has to change, doesn't it? We have to yep. give them more water, more feed, because, see, these composts don't hold the nutrients. But then peat-based compost didn't, to be honest with you. We had to start feeding four to six weeks after we'd used yep. the compost. So yeah, yeah. start feeding more regularly uh, and maybe have a look at the types of feeds as, as what, what you actually use to, to get the best results. But uh, it's all good stuff and, and certainly uh, Silver Pro products seem to be getting it just about right at the moment. And the other thing I came across recently, Chris, was the Department of the Environment and Rural Affairs is essentially indicating that Europe will still be able to grow all their plants in peat. Mm-hmm. We can import them. Mm-hmm. So that's going to put a bit of a yeah. It doesn't pressure, sit shall we say, on the uh, the English growers. Yeah, because if we haven't got a decent growing medium or as mm. good a growing medium as the European, we're going to be struggling to compete with them. Yeah. Because a, I should imagine the, the peat-free growing mediums will be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the costs will be then more expensive for us to buy. English plants rather than buying importing them. Yes, and yeah, it yeah it puts an unfair advantage over to the, uh, over imported stock, doesn't it? Straight away, and mm. that and, and it puts the the UK growers on the back foot because they're in a, a catch up situation. It still seems rather unfair. It certainly does. Yes, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think everyone in our industry likes 
mm. growing things and getting things to grow, and mm. we don't want to destroy the world. But equally, yeah. you've got to have, try and have a bit more of a level, level playing field, yeah. haven't you? The balance but needs to be there. And obviously this has all been brought up, but that um, obviously through the um, Chief Executive of the Garden Centre Association, Peter Burks, he's brought this sort of attention to the problem within the trade, hasn't he? So mm. that in itself is the fact that that's obviously representing a, a great number of garden centres and it is a, a concern for you know the UK growing... Uh, growers too but well uh, i think that's i mean essentially we as a garden center try and support english growers we do do. if we can buy from english growers we do and majority of our stuff is from english growers but equally Mm. if in 10 years time we've got to buy it from southern ireland because Mm. they can grow it in peat we can't how's that going to work i mean it's going to make a big shift in mm. where the growers are located and if the government saying well no it's a free-for-all you can mm. import whatever you like no it doesn't sit comfortably it is and and that's probably therein lies the problem with the whole aspect of the peak debate isn't it, it hasn't really been thought through globally mm. uh, and of course the poor uk growers are having to really bite the bullet now and uh, work tirelessly to get something you know in place to grow their crops to to perfection that's it and with it now being May, mm. here we go. It's that time. No of year. Mo May. Yes. It's that time of year again. It's the big debate. Mm. Is it better or is it not? I mean, personally, I think the idea of slightly longer grass when you're walking through mm. it barefoot, yes. far better. Yes, nice, nice soft grass to go in between your toes. It's lovely. Yeah. For you. I, I was listening um, to um, the news the other day, Peter, on Radio Four, and uh, Deborah Meaden, one of the dragons from Dragon's yeah, yeah. Den, every morning she trots around her garden barefoot. She loves to walk in the lawn to mm. basically. Um, bring her down to earth to to connect with nature to okay. start her day in a very positive way that's fair enough yes I, I was connected with my grass the other day i was putting a new cable in for the robotic mower okay they have a perimeter mm. wire that needs going in i must say my knees got very wet <laughs> that's all <laughs> so i'm gonna say <laughs> good, good positives and maybe less so but, but no i mean in all seriousness yeah. leaving the grass a bit longer also helps in mm. drought doesn't it It certainly does and yep yeah. Even in winter, they recommend leaving grass a bit longer. So yeah. I guess that's a good thing. And probably also for insects and things like mm. that to hide in better. Better, yeah, providing them a bit of a shelter and maybe maybe more food sources. And obviously, of course, we could enjoy those wonderful early spring flowers which come into your lawn. So your dandelions, dare yeah. I say, your buttercups, but your daisies. I mean, daisies and buttercups on lawns. Makes daisies fun, are yeah, fun. Make, make me smile, to be honest with you. Yeah. So... And of course, they do their thing very early, and, and then after the end, of, you know, end of the month of May, you can, you know, set your Stop, bow, yeah, blades a little bit higher and trim away, and maybe just do that through the course of the summer to help with possibilities of, of uh, dryness and drought and, and hot temperatures, which we might experience again this year. That's it. And we learned recently of the sad passing of Jeff Hands, who was an orchid grower and collector. Mm. Um, he had the. Is it the National Collection of it's, Dendrobiums? Yeah, yes, uh, an important, yeah, nationally important collection. I think is how it's phrased. So, yeah. oh, it's not a national collection; it's an, an important collection. But yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, Marcus Grzelik, um mm. from Sussex has 
taken on the collection mm. and added to it and is planning on expanding it even more. And he's so far got 149 different types of dendrobium. Which is incredible, isn't it? I didn't think 149 existed, to be honest yeah, with you. It's Peter. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, mm. but, uh, I suppose mm. with orchids, I mean, they're such beautiful plants. Yeah. And the flowers are great, aren't they? They're and they indeed. do come in so many different... And so long-lasting. Certainly the, the dendrobiums we, we sell at the garden centre are always popular. I'd, yeah, I'd probably say now, probably after Phalaenopsis, they probably are the... Probably the, the second most popular, in mm. view, yeah. Um, you know the ones that look a bit more like bamboo? Mm, that's and good. They're, yeah, sort of, good yeah, they're, they're sort of green spiky, whereas normal, well, normal orchids, phalaenopsis orchids are nice big leafy ones, yes, but they yeah. don't really have a stem, whereas the dendrobiums are mm. a stem with leaves on uh, yes. uh, and then yeah. the flowers come and, out. And even when they've finished flowering, they're quite, they make quite a statement plant, don't they, because they've got the structure uh, in place. And of course they send up new, if I remember rightly, Peter, they send up new shoots from the base and they become the flowering stems the next time around. So, yeah, yeah so yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. That's good to hear that they've all been saved. Yes, and it's all part of the, the plant heritage campaign, which, uh, yeah, to, to do exactly this, to preserve and to ensure that these uh, collections are, continue in safekeeping. And a couple of things that have been mm. going on in the garden centre world. Mm. So the, the big one, I suppose, is Boyd Douglas Davis. He's, um, he's a high-profile chap from the British Garden Centre group, obviously. Yeah, at 62 centres. Yes. I hadn't realised they were quite that big. I mean, yeah. he's a mm. very, like you say, sort of flamboyant, big yeah. Yeah. character. Very likeable chap. Yeah, very, yeah. Uh, very affable. Yeah. And um, he's moving on to set up his own design consultancy yeah, from yeah, what yeah, I yeah I think it's going to be just a, a yeah, good old uh, yeah, consultancy business so that will obviously include garden centres I'm sure uh, in, the, in the remits so uh, yeah I mean he's been there for a number of years I think about 2019 so he's been there for a, a few years and obviously through difficult trading you know, times of, of Covid too well, and he's built the group well mm. maybe not him personally mm. but the, the group has grown quite, quite large yes. uh, with him uh, there and he's certainly been a good voice for them to shout about sort of what they're up to so you know, we certainly hear a lot about uh, what they were up to so. and, and he's been a very good piece in the, in the gardening trade for sort of getting you know rallying the troops for things like green fingers obviously the uh yeah the, green the garden charity and yeah. i think mm-hmm. he's at the houses of parliament at the moment mm. um discussing with the Lords and ladies of uh, our government, um, what's getting, the way forwards for the horticultural industry? Yeah, good on well. him on that. Yeah, so yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah. best wishes for him. Mm. And I see um, Blue Diamond have bought another one. Yes, and it's a, a bit different this time, isn't it? It is. I, I visited uh, Beckwith Emporium probably about four or five years ago, Peter. So it's quite a while, but it's sort of a very different type of garden centre. If yeah. any, it's not really a garden centre, is it? As such, well, I, I think I've discussed it with you on the mm. show before. I, mm. I, I love going there for a cycling breakfast. It's okay. a great, great <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, um, wonderful mm. food offer, and really liked by the sort mm. of people in Northampton I can yeah. tell you that I mean mm. they've they got a significant turnover yes uh, and yeah they did mm. a a nice range of sort of food mm. things and a few plants and yeah. I mm. think recently you know, they'd expanded again and moved out into sort of garden furniture but yeah I do wonder how that fits within the blue diamond sort of model mm. whether that I mean maybe they're going to do it a bit like Van Hague's and just bias and keep trading on the heritage of the name mm, that would keep the locals happy perhaps <laughs> I hope, yeah, happier <laughs> I mean certainly yeah. there's a lot of 
uproar on social media about the fact that it might no longer have the sort of personal and local of appeal and it might go a little bit more corporate, corporate. shall we say, but yes. hey, mm. another one mm, indeed, and, for um, their group and hopefully they can do well with it. Indeed, and uh, the, the, the tagline for, for this story, which was in the, the Garden Trade News, was this is the first of two major acquisitions. So we've got mm. to find out what other plans... Yeah, I Blue wonder Diamond which has. other yeah. garden centre they bought or yes. are trying to buy, yeah, shall yes, we say. Yeah. But, well, yeah. If they're publishing the fact that there's two on the horizon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You'd well, imagine that it's fairly I well so, done. Yeah. So uh, watch this space, Peter. Mm. Yeah. And now moving on to some results, we've mm. got some feedback from the RSPB about their bird watch yes. sort of challenge that went off last autumn, yes. August yeah, sort of yes, time. It's, it's sort of the latter end of the, the early summer. Oh. It's always good, isn't it, to get out there. It's over a weekend, isn't it? You, you get out there doing a little bit of uh, spotting. That's and, it. And these are the results. The most common birds yeah. that were spotted. Yeah. I'm really pleased to see number one still the sparrow. Yes, because that's been a, been a, certainly in a bit of a decline. There's always been saying you don't see as many sparrows. Well, you used obviously, to see flocks of them. Whereas, yeah, recently mm. I, I see more. The, the bird featuring number two on the yes. on the list is the blue tit. Yeah. Um, that's a very common one in in my garden. Yeah. But then number three, starlings. Oh, you see, that's sometimes you see them, sometimes, sometimes you don't. don't. Yeah. But number four, wood pigeons. Definitely. I think I've got about six in my garden they nesting lots of, at the indeed. moment. Yeah. And, and, and blackbirds at number five. Um, often, yeah. yeah, I've seen more blackbirds than probably I'd, I'd probably see starlings, to be honest with you. Mm. But, uh, and number six, the robin. Yeah. Now that surprises me because I, here, mm. today I've seen a robin. There's currently two pigeons in the hedge that I can see yeah, from yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there is. But yeah, then yeah. I guess that this is a national this average. Is, it is a national, so. yeah. Mm. Uh, number seven was the goldfinch, which again, if you've got the right sort of feeders, you might see. But yeah, they feed can be them just feed, and sometimes yeah. they'll come in unless so, your neighbour's got better feeder and they'd prefer or, that one. <laughs> or a cat, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah. And then a great tip. Now, yeah, yeah. That mm. surprises me. Mm. Really does, yeah. because I haven't seen a great tip. In Northampton for a long while. Likewise, yeah. Long-tailed yeah. tits we yeah, get, but not yeah. great tits. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, it. And then the magpie uh, yeah. in at number nine. I'd probably I'd put, I'd, in my own garden, I'd put that in the top five, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. I'd yeah. get to see a lot more magpies and mm-hmm. crows and yeah. corvids, aren't Corf- they? Corvids, yes. Corvids, yeah. Um, yeah. they like flying around and yeah. long-tailed tits. Number ten. Yeah. Number ten, yeah, mm. long-tailed tit, but... Mm. That, the other thing that like buzzards mm. and red kites red kites you see yes i see those i have one well uh, mm. you go through whittlebury of an mm. evening and you generally see 20 or 30 buzzards yeah. flying around sort of a wooded area and kites there's yeah. oh. definitely a pair of kites that live around my area in Northampton, mm. because you see them circling. But yes. Pretty much any sunny day when you go out yes. in the garden, look up in the sky. I just wonder, because obviously this uh, survey, Peter, has done work, which birds which land in your garden. So that's, may, ah. that's maybe because the buzzards and the kites don't <laughs> include that. But I suppose, yeah, if you look up in the air, you probably see those. But that's, yeah, they have to yeah, come it, in. If they're going to be on the ground or in a tree, yeah. then <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's fair enough. I haven't seen, <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen a, <laughs> kites land in the garden. No, not so. yet. Yeah. That'll, that'll be probably with the next thing yeah <laughs> maybe it'll come and eat some of my squirrels <laughs> oops <laughs> good stuff and then um it's bedding season isn't it, it? is so odd. really interesting this one the kinder plants the little mm. baby plants that everyone buys to make their 
yes. hanging baskets and yeah, sort of bedding been... displays. They're good value for money, aren't they? They are, and and there's good, you know, such a good selection and range. So to do this this top five was nice and easy, but there wasn't an awful lot in the the numbers actually. No, Peter, very very similar numbers, yes, aren't they? Sort yeah. of within ten of each, each other, other. Yeah. Uh, between the worst performer and the best performer. So yes. it starts us off at number five, Chris. Yeah. So um, yeah, we have the future uh, voodoo. Um, right. Which is one of these big giant? It's one of these humongous. I think sometimes the the Guardian magazines call them hen's egg size um, because they're that that big. Um, lovely the flowers. Lovely, this flowers. This is the flowers. About, yeah, we're talking yeah. the flowers. Yes, yeah, so they've got this wonderful red and purple uh, coloration to them, and it's okay. a naturally trailer, so good for for hanging baskets. Uh, number yeah, then we got uh, Petunia Thumbelina Anna uh, Anna. Sorry, and that's got a a nice sort of pockety. Frilling, you know, these sort of wonderful, sort of very, I don't know, it's very scrumptious type of, of petunia flower. Okay. Um, and then it's a joint second, we've got Bacopa, uh, Megacopa, which is the white trailing plant, little tiny flowers, very yeah, free yeah. flowering, lovely thing. Uh, and the second joint, second one there, on, on two is Petunia Thumbelina Diner, which is a, a pure white thrilly, uh, yeah. double petunia. And then number one, now this is a surprise. Nepeta heterofolia, mm. so a foliage plant, um, a very nice foliage plant, grows humongously long in your hanging basket. I once I grew this piece and it, it got down from the the hanging basket to the floor wow. in the growing season, so about a six seven foot drop. So okay. it, so it moves quickly. It's in the mint family. It has quite a distinctive smell. I was going to say, isn't it a stinky? Well, not stinky. It's yeah, a smelly one. It's, it's a smelly a one. Yes, arom- yeah, yeah. Uh, aromatic. That's, yes, a, that's a good word. And it has uh, what the, uh, the the label doesn't say when you've got it to that size and maturity it has little sort of bluey purple flowers on it as well, which are always a bit of a uh, surprise. So, Excellent. Uh, yeah. They're very small, aren't they? Very small. Memory, the yeah. Blue, blue oh, yeah, very they significant. Nice. They're, they're yeah. dainty. That's it, yeah. And good and good for, for your, your hoverflies and things when they're in flower. So yeah. uh, cool. an interesting top five for, for kinder plants. Nice one. And I guess next month we'll be able to tell people what's selling well in the bedding Indeed. section. Indeed. It's, it's already, well, we're already selling. And I did notice, Peter, the, the pop-ins are here. Yes, so my you're favourite. No, you're no, you know summer's on its way when they arrive. Yeah. So, yeah. so get down your garden centres now yeah. and get your drop-in hanging baskets and... Mm. Oh, do well and get them in early. And yes, enjoy them. Enjoy them too. Brilliant. Okay, thanks for that, Chris. And what jobs have you got for me this month, Chris? Oh, yes. Um, well, it's yeah, more seed sowing, isn't it? And yeah. You can sow a lot of your more tender veggies straight out into the garden. I, mean, I was going to say, can, yeah. we get, can I do broad beans straight into the allotment? Broad beans, runner beans, French beans, all the, yeah. Absolutely. All the beans straight out. Straight cool. out, yeah, nice yeah, one. yeah. Um, okay. They would be good. And obviously you might still want to be start thinking about planting your, your outdoor tomatoes as well. Um, probably middle of this month, I would say. Still a little bit early, unless you've got okay. a cloche or to be hand, because obviously we get some night frost still into, into the month of May. Um, yeah. And also, yeah, uh, start having a think about, uh, yeah earthing up your potatoes because they'll be pushing through mine are just starting to push through in my pots at the moment so okay yeah a bit of compost over the top if you grow in pots and if you're obviously in the uh, in the allotment or in the vegetable garden just earth up and cover those uh, shoots to keep the 
to keep the tubers obviously out of the sunlight and also to protect the, the leaves from the frost too. Okay, yeah. now I'm, I've got a confession, Chris. Go on. I haven't got mine in yet. Oh, Peter, come on. Well, <laughs> honestly, I, I've been really worried about late frost. I, well, I think <laughs> with the forecast of next week and frost and today, whilst we've been recording this, we've had a hailstorm. Yes. I think I, I've been well... This I've, I've been very clever to okay. hold back. <laughs> yes, yeah. this weekend, <laughs> maybe this weekend. Yeah, yeah I need I, to get down the allotment yeah, yeah, and get, get done, them get in. They, they've chitted really well. But yeah. as you know, I think I'm possibly living in a frost pocket in Northampton at the of moment course. because my snowdrops still haven't come out. That's very late. Daffodils are doing well, but there's no signs of any flowers on them. That's not so good. And yeah, tulips, but tulips are out. I've got okay. my tulips that so we've, okay. Red Robin has done really well, all come back into flower. Oh, wonderful, yes. But yeah, my um, yep. potatoes, which have been chitting in the shed, I'd say they're about mm. two to two inches chits on them, but yes. they're not normally no. this time. I have to say, I only I say, planted mine a couple of weeks ago, and when I bought them, they were very well chitted. Okay. That's the thing. Obviously, plants. You know, you buy a little bit later, which I would have to say I didn't. I didn't prepare that that well, so they're already sort of pre-chitted. So that was a a bit of a a push for me to get them planted straight away. So okay, uh, and I'm growing the variety, um, potato variety Swift this year. So okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah. quite a good one. Mm, yeah, that, that, yep. that, that's a good cropper from memory. Yeah, good. So we'll watch this Hopefully space. Uh, yeah, they'll do yeah, all right. Then. Yeah, excellent. Um, and also, I think you know, it's worth mentioning that uh, things like you know your rhubarb. You know, obviously, we've been putting rhubarb really well this this spring. Um, keep that well watered, well fed in dry spells. You know, you you can pull rhubarb up to usually the end of this month into early June. So, um, depending on how it's going, uh, keep keep I the feet. Like very, we're not quite as we're recording. We're not mm. quite into May yet, mm. but yeah. my rhubarb is about. Two inches tall. Oh that. right, okay. It's like I say. I think I've I've got, got a microclimate a... of frost in my <laughs> cold area. Or something. Yeah, like, it's a really weird thing because, like you say, normally, yeah, this time of year, their leaves have unfurled, and mm. but at the moment they're just green, sort of filled up leaves and okay. nothing there. Maybe anyway. maybe a little bit of feed then to to help them along, perhaps. Okay, yeah, yeah. A bit of That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and certainly the ones I've been growing in uh, uh, rhubarb forces, they've been okay. However, we are about two or three weeks behind this year. We know we know that anecdotally, don't we? So okay, I that can, must be uh, that explains, behind. Yeah, explains everything too. <laughs> Not like yeah. a care. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose yeah, we're, we're talking about care. Uh, obviously, we are in the bedding season now. So um, yeah. yeah, just watch those those frosts. I think the, the I noticed some lovely uh, antirhinums, cosmos. Petunias. I suspect uh, there's a few uh, busy lizzies coming in as well now. So, yep. yeah, you treat those with kick gloves. Please, please have some fleece uh, available just to put over your, your pots if the temperature drops, you know, to to below zero. Um, and yeah, just mollycoddle them a little bit. And if you if you're planting up your hanging baskets now, yeah, give them a, a week or so in the greenhouse or in the porch so the roots can get nicely established before you bring them out. So they have a bit of a head start okay. uh, undercover. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Mm, pest and diseases. Yes. What, what, what can we do with mm. um, moths? 
Yeah, so the, the, the moss which affect your fruit trees, I'm really thinking of your, uh, you know, your, your apple trees and your plum, so for plum moth and for, uh, for codling moth, you yep. can use these really good pheromone traps, Peter. So you, you buy a, a pheromone trap and it's already uh, got impregnated the, the uh, pheromone which attracts all the males, so that stops the, the mating, so therefore your, your fruit trees, when they're coming into flower, shouldn't have any issues with uh, the, the little pests getting into the flower buds and obviously then infiltrating and causing a lot of grief when you come to bite into your apples. and, mm. and, and you, you, yeah. You, yeah. So not nice, not nice at all. So, yeah, put those up in your tree. You, you need to do it pretty pronto, actually, because obviously they... Um, really it's may june into july so it's a three-month window you need to have these traps in place okay. so they can, can work and uh, the main company who supply those is a company called agriland which uh, is the one you tend to see in most garden centers now yeah and they do the yellow sticky pads they as do. well which i like to put in the greenhouse as they're always i always used to use them uh, as an indicator of how many white fly i'd managed to yeah propagate and <laughs> indeed they're great for you know, for wi-fi green fly i always tend to put those in and i tend to walk into mine so I, they, so yeah, that, that's the annoying bit yes. when you touch them or they or get you, the, you brush your arm apart oh, past them and they oh, yeah, stick oh, to yeah. your sleeve oh not, not good never good uh, yeah, thing but no, but, but really good organic way of controlling uh those, uh, those flying pests as well um, and also you know a little bit preventative spraying you know going into the uh, ornamental garden if you've got roses then maybe get a, a spray on those to you know rose clear ultra to keep yep. the, the green fly white fly well any type of aphid and of course the, the dreaded mildew and black spot at bay preventative spraying is so good for, for roses really okay. and I suppose now mm. um, if we're plant, starting to plant out our vegetables yeah um Beer traps, mm. my favourite. Yes, okay. Sort of uh, trap in the in the allotment. I like seeing how many slugs and snails I can collect in my beer traps. And I, I found that if you've got a real good quality natural unfiltered beer mm. with some yeast sediment in the bottom, good? when you get to the bottom of pouring your pint of beer out, leave the last couple of centimetres of you know, nice sedimenty beer mm. and stick that in your trap and that's really good because it's the yeast smell that i've been told that the ah, slugs right. and the snails okay. like it's not actually the the beer obviously gets them drunk but yeah, yeah. it's the smell of the yeast that they get attracted to sounds, so. sounds a good plan yes yeah, so using sort of sugary drinks is not a good thing just using sort of lemonade or something like that i've but, not tried any yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of non-alcoholic i, I just give them beer because <laughs> yes. uh, I, I i guess they have to get drunk so they can't crawl out yeah isn't that the idea that's the, the idea the and also yeah, <laughs> just yes get a, a sugar high i don't know from twice as fast twice as much lettuce <laughs> oh dear this is not good yeah. or yeah. like i was i did the other day peter i started to use my copy tape around me uh, me hostas because of course yeah they are, they are such a culprit. And remember, if you're growing hostas or any plants which are very vulnerable, make sure you, your pots are kept well away from other pots so they they don't basically leapfrog with uh, with their, their wonderful uh, um, sportsman-like antics from one leaf to another because obviously they can cause lots of death. 
Yes, look, carnage, look, absolute yeah, they, carnage. They yeah. do like a hosta, don't they? They do, yes. So I do that as well, and cool. uh, yeah, and also yes, check for your your, you know, your usual lily beetles um, again. Uh, preventatively spraying for those, you can do that uh, with a bit of uh, Provanto if you want to use a, a chemical. Um, okay. Yeah, I think I think you know lily beetles are such a, a problem, and of course they are becoming more a problem now as as we go into warmer conditions. You know, global warming is affecting some of the pests we get into our gardens, and certainly the number of lily beetles is uh, is on, the, on rise. the rise. It is, yeah. Okay. And when's the best time to put sort of plant supports in, Chris? I'm just thinking about like the herbaceous mm. sort of things that grow that grow up through those cages. Now, really, Peter? Actually, not too early. Not too early at all. In fact, um, if you have got delphiniums, I know I was walk, I walked past some delphiniums which have quite recently come in, and they're already probably 18 inches tall. Yep. So when you're putting those in, yes, if you go for something like the, the Poppy Forge uh, products, which have the uh, the mesh, circular mesh, and then obviously the little legs, yeah, which yeah. you put them through, get those in place nice and early, really, if you can. Um, and then obviously the plants can push through those, and then you won't be able to see the mechanics of the stakes once they're through. Um, yeah, so yeah, and if you're putting canes in, so much the better. But yeah, certain things you can probably wait, like your dahlias and such like, wait until they get perhaps a sort of foot or so, foot or so tall, and then obviously they all need some uh, stout canes to, to hold them in place. That's good. Cool. And must be warm enough to start thinking about cuttings, the sort of woody herbs, isn't it? That's. I mean, my. Ro- I see rosemary's on the list mm. and thyme. Yeah. Um, I grew some thyme from seed last year. Okay. It's done all right. It good. It got yeah. through the winter. Fantastic. My rosemary, like mm. I think I said last month, is gone a bit sort of discoloured. I it's still haven't got around to putting the miracle oh, grow on it, but yeah. I might get around to it this weekend. Yeah, I think I've got a busy weekend <laughs> coming up. Busy weekend coming up, coming up yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, sort of hyssop. Rose, see, rosemary at the moment, I think, is, is we're in a catch-22, a little bit like lavender. With short supply, a lot of people have lost their plants, and that's put on, obviously, extra um, supply issues to, to garden centres. So we're re- we have definitely struggled this, this last few weeks getting hold of rosemary in any really? big quantities. Okay. So if you have got a rosemary plant and it is doing okay, certainly it wouldn't be a bad idea to take some cuttings now like with your time as well and start building up some more stocks mm. and maybe that's the thing we, we need to do um during the summer we do some um sort of semi-ripe cuttings of things like lavender get those nicely rooted over winter and then we'll have a few plants then as an insurance policy just in case you know the winter yeah. is cruel again and we do lose more plants so just thinking about rosemary for a mm. second there um as so you get the supermarket Mm. herb yes the, the live herbs or whatever yes, they yeah, call them yeah. and sometimes you get the you know, rosemaries in those mm. are they presuming you can just take cuttings from them same as anything else can you or so with rosemary which you buy from the shop the trouble is you you probably wouldn't if it's growing in uh, rock wool yes yeah. it's probably got a root system on it so you could do that if it comes in in any sort of other sort of format i'd be probably a little bit reluctant because it's probably going to be probably a bit too dry but certainly if it's in a a, a growing medium like the inert light material which sometimes you find basil and uh, mint in yeah yep. you, you could take those as cuttings okay yeah cool. yeah and uh, yeah a nice gritty compost that's the secret with all these sort of mediterranean plants peter so a bit of multi-purpose compost 
peat-free with some horticultural or potting grit in, probably 25-30% by volume, yep. so it's nice and gritty. And then run them round the, the side of a nice terracotta pot, that's what I tend to do. Okay. Uh, terracotta always seems to breathe better, and it seems, I don't know, things seem to root better in terracotta for, for ah, some strange reason. That's a good tip. And can you use perlite or vermiculite mm-hmm. if you haven't got any grit? Yes. You've got some perlite left over. Perlite's absolutely fine. That'll open up the, the, the compost. So for, for certain cuttings, certainly some of the more softer cuttings you might take during the summer, perlite is really, really useful. So, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff. And I suppose... Something else to mention, a bit different from our normal format. A um, mm. couple of books that have hit mm. the marketplace recently. Yes. Best people that we've interviewed, which yes, indeed. always makes me proud to think, oh, we've had proper serious authors uh, and, on. and these authors are, were talking about the books they were going to be writing, which is even more uh, interesting. So the first one is Legends of the Leaf, which was uh, our uh, On the Ledge podcaster, Jane Peroni. Yeah, Jane Perrone. Yeah, that that yeah. was an interesting I mean, podcast. She was very mm. passionate about her houseplants, wasn't she? And yeah. as is Tony LaBrissa. Uh, indeed. Who's with... brought out a, well, it's a lovely looking book, isn't it? I mean, we got a press, is it a press release book? Probably, yeah, with a, yeah, a press copy. Uh, press from, copy. Yeah, yeah, from, so. Uh, yeah so um, called Not Another Jungle, which obviously is the, is the name of his Name of his sh- shop. shop. And yes. yeah, the, the colours are similar to his shop as well. It's really mm. nicely sort of matched. Yes. Book there and mm. some lovely photos, really lovely photos. I've not had a chance to read through it. Have you had a chance to read I've, it? I've, I've dipped into it, Pete. It's really nice. It's so, so personable and it, it really shows uh, Tony's passion for his plants. You know, each page is, I say, beautifully photographed and, and these words, you know, are very meaningful and he's, he's obviously put a lot of thought into it as well. And it's a different type of houseplant book. It's not your normal sort of comprehensive sort of guide. It's quite specific to uh, some really quite rare houseplants as well. Unlike Jane, um, Jane's book, which is looking at the stories be- behind 25 iconic houseplants. So quite a different feel to that book, I suppose, in, yep. in, in its contents as well. But great to see both books on the on the bookshop. Brilliant. Good yep. stuff. Well, I hope I get... 10 minutes to have a proper look through them and maybe a few hours to actually read one that'd That's be good and yeah, yeah. Um, might inspire me to get some new houseplants because I know in our houseplant section at the moment mm. we've got some really big leafy plants oh, and big plants are back aren't they yeah, yeah. Uh, lines uh, and uh, yeah, dracaenas the dragon trees I noticed some really nice ones of those as well so yeah and so. I was very fortunate I managed to pop into the, Tony's shop last Saturday mm. and like I was saying to you just like a mm. A, a really lovely hanging cactus mm. that I, I, it looked more like a samphire to me. Right. Um, but yeah, you identified it as usual, being the expert, Chris. But yeah, <laughs> Rips, Rips Salis, isn't it? It's Rips. That's great, a great name. But a really yeah. nice yeah. plant that I'd, I'd not seen before. I, I thought, well, I've worked in this industry for quite a few years and mm. saw a new one. So I mean, obviously, nice shop to go in and uh, it's just nice finding new things it is it? and that's what uh, tony's all about isn't it the, the rarer and more unusual which is uh, which makes the world go round, doesn't it we, we do like something a little bit different brilliant okay well i guess that's uh, kind of draws us to the end of the show um as always please tell your friends about our podcast if you like what we're talking about mm-hmm. M- more listeners we get the happier we feel indeed yes please do and uh, please subscribe and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing you on our next 
dig it. So what is the next show? So next, uh, later on this month, uh, Peter, we're going to be talking to Mr. Plant Geek, a.k.a. Uh, Michael Perry. He's a bit of a star, isn't he? He is. Um, I always think of, and I think of Michael Perry, I think of the Tom Tata, that amazing hybridised tomato potato plant, which he was involved in launching for Thompson & Morgan nearly 10 years ago. Okay. But he's moved on since then, so I really we'll get look to learn to what he's been up to. Indeed. Brilliant. So, yeah. Great stuff. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Chris. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. And our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.